as we continue on our biblical study of the end times and the Christian. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, and we'll pick it up in verse number 1. Now last week, well, no, I guess not last week, the week prior, we spent time, uh, I intended to get into chapter 5, but we spent time going through the first four chapters in a crash course of the passages concerning the end times, and now we get into chapter 5, a lot of instruction here for the Christian concerning our behavior in these last times. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 1. The Bible says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to hearts this evening, guide and direct during the Bible study. I pray that you'd help us to grow and to make the decisions that we should. Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. I beg you, please, please speak through me and help me. Fill me, Lord, and fill this place with your presence and power. We pray this as we ask it in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. Now, you'll have to listen on purpose this evening as we always do when it comes to Wednesday night. Bible studies, not because my intention is to be boring, but because often there is a lot of information, and I'd like to get through it as quickly as possible, but we need a strong foundation. In these last times, remember that the behavior of the Christian is described to us by the Lord, that even though we see these last days coming upon us, and we know what is ahead, that we are not to take these things lightly, but rather that God explains to us in multiple places how we should be behaving towards each other, towards the lost, and how we should be behaving uh, individually uh, towards Him. And so we pick it up in verse number 1. The Bible says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now, uh, we know this, that any time the word or term, the times and seasons, is used in the Bible... That is a description of the last days. Jesus said this in Acts chapter number 1 when the disciples were asking Him when would the kingdom come or when would He come and establish His kingdom. He says a very similar term. And when we see these terms, the times and the seasons, it is a reference to the last days. Now He says of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So He says this, look, 
you don't have any need that I write unto you because first of all, only our Heavenly Father knows the, the day and the hour. Not even Jesus Christ knows the day nor the hour. And so that's for uh, His Father and for our Heavenly Father to know. Now He says, we know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now what is that a reference to? It's a reference to the fact that in those last days, remember the Bible says in the book of Matthew, I believe it is, that they will be uh, living in a time where they will be eating and drinking and essentially making merry and giving each other, uh, giving to one another in marriage and going on as if nothing is going to happen, as if the judgment of God is never coming. And so the world will fall asleep on the judgment of God. And so they, in those last days, will have the Lord appear and come upon them as a thief in the night. Now, for a Christian, we don't see it necessarily that way, that Jesus is coming as a thief. We see Him as coming as our Savior. But for a lost person who is not expecting the judgment of God, when the Lord returns, it will be a negative thing for them. And that is the connotation of this passage, that when Jesus comes, for them it will be as if it is a thief in the night. It will be a scary thing. It will be to them an unacceptable thing. And we see as we read through the book of Revelation that there is even more and more wrath built up in their hearts towards God, more anger built up in their hearts towards God, because in these last days they are already going fast and hard after sin and have no desire to please the Lord. And so when they're judged by God, instead of repenting and getting right, they only become more angry with Him. So when the Lord comes, it's not a positive thing for the lost. And this should give Christians a great sense of urgency. Now we see it in 2 Thessalonians. The Bible describes to us that there will be, and I may go into this passage later on, so I don't want to spend as much time on it here this evening, but we know this passage there in 2 Thessalonians. That the Bible says that there will be a strong delusion sent to those that have had a chance to receive Jesus Christ and have not done so. Is everybody okay? And so that day will not be a positive day for the lost. And so, Christian, do not lose your urgency. You say you keep repeating that, only because God repeats it. And also because, unfortunately, Christianity has grown very cold towards the gospel and towards seeing other people saved. We're more interested, unfortunately, because I believe that much of America is more in the Laodicean church than any other portion of the world, that we are more interested in our wealth and in our possessions and in our houses and lands and in our cars and our boats and our, our hobbies than we are eternity because materialism has lulled us to sleep. It's put us to sleep on the eternal things. It has made us focus so much on the temporal things that we've lost our sight of the eternal. And so we don't care for the souls of man like we should and that's one of the signs of materialism that is described of the Laodicean church there in the book of Revelation. Now, Yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Do you see that in verse number 2? Verse number 3, For when they shall say what? Peace and safety. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child. And they shall not what? Right now they are discussing a digital currency. And they're saying it is for our peace and safety. Because, and I tell you what I think is, is about to happen. Now, this is just my opinion. I could be wrong. It's coming from the book of 2 Joshua. But in my opinion, they have set the entire world up for an entire dependence upon them by creating an economic collapse across the world. 
And I think we're staring it in the eyes right now. The stock market is in turmoil, and people say, well, you don't invest in stocks, you invest in gold, and you invest in silver. But unfortunately, they have managed to tie gold and silver to the stock market, so as the stock market falls, the value of gold and silver is falling lockstep with it. So, gold and silver won't be a safe haven for people. Well, houses and lands will be a safe haven for people, but unfortunately, they are already discussing making land public property, not private. That is a move of socialism. They're trying to pass that in some of these uber-liberal cities. That land is no longer owned by people. It is owned by the public. But what they mean by that is it's owned by the government. And what is happening little by little is I believe that they have, they, have, they have put people under a situation in America, and this is just my opinion, but they put people under a situation in America and in other places in the world where uh, our, our mortgages are going to be too expensive to afford and people are tying up a lot of their money into a mortgage and they're increasing the rate of our finances. So uh, Great Britain or the UK or whoever it was, they just uh, appointed this new prime minister. And then what does he do? Immediately. They, want, they, they, they kicked out their former prime minister that was there for, what, 30, 45 days, something like that, and brought a new one in to save them from economic collapse. The first thing he does, outlaw fracking. Now, wait a minute. They're already in an energy crisis. They cannot afford to pay their energy bills already right now because of the war in Russia and Ukraine. What good does it do to outlaw fracking other than to make energy costs skyrocket even more. Why would he do that? Other than to make it nearly impossible for people to pay their bills and eventually crumble the financial system and make you have to come crawling to the government for all of your needs. That's my opinion. And what they'll do is they'll control your finances through this digital currency. Not even Bitcoin is safe. Because what they're doing with, uh, uh, I don't know, what is it, Ethereum and, and Litecoin and Bitcoin and Doggy coin or doggy coin or dogecoin or whatever they call it, all these, all these different digital currencies, the, the, government, the world governments aren't going to let that stand. They want to control the digital currencies. So they won't allow you to have independence through these digital currencies. They're going to take control by having a world currency that is digital, digitally controlled by the governments. That's where this is all headed. So they're going to crumble. They're going to crumble Bitcoin. It's going to be worthless at some point. Whether that happens in our lifetime, I don't know. But that's the only way for them to get control of the entire financial system is to make everything that you own worthless and say it wasn't their fault. So give us control and we'll make sure that by peace and safety we take care of you. So that's all conspiracy stuff. Well, maybe so, but I think it's pretty clear. So what are they saying now? During the COVID days, what were they constantly saying? This is for your own good. You need to stay in your house and not come out. And we need to shut down all of your businesses and shut down all of your churches. And we need to shut down all of your family gatherings because it's for your own peace and safety. This is the term they're using. And unfortunately, many will be deceived by this. Now, let's take a look, if we could please, at a couple of passages concerning this subject. Oh, by the way, I mentioned this. You know, actually, I, I, was, I, I, I taught on this um, just as a snippet. Um, I was teaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians at that point uh, in, in, uh, in preaching and, and came uh, here when we did the candidate and taught through first, portions of 1 Thessalonians 5 in Sunday school. And 
as I was, as I was preparing for, um, again, 1 Thessalonians 5 here a few months ago, and doing a little more research again to freshen the notes, I, I, I saw a headline that um, Mexico had donated a statue to the UN building and the name of it was the Guardian of International Peace and Security. That was on November 16, 2021. And it was a leopard with wings. And it was there for, I don't know, a month or so. And then it was removed. I don't know what happened to it, but you can find it. It's not a conspiracy. It happened. It nearly perfectly matched the description of the Antichrist. And then... They called it the guardian of international peace and security. They left out safety. Couldn't get too close to the Bible, so it's not too obvious. Matter of fact, let's turn there. Let's look at Revelation chapter number 13. Now, don't, uh, don't get freaked out by this. I'm going to show you that in 1 Thessalonians 5, that you don't need to be freaked out by these things. Let's look at it here in Revelation chapter number 13. Verse number 1. The Bible says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a what? And his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And if you go and look at that sin, you need to look it up. Don't take my word for it. You can find it. The Guardian of International Peace and Security. It, it, it looks almost identical to what it was, was just described there. Now, uh, the beast is the Antichrist. And look how the Antichrist is going to deal with mankind in the last days. Speaking of peace and safety. Turn your Bibles to the book of Daniel, if you would, please. Many of you are familiar with these things, but we're going we're gonna to look at it here again. Daniel chapter number 8. And let's look at verse number 25. Daniel chapter number 8 and verse number 25. Verse number 24. I was trying not to do it. Why don't I just put those things down first? I don't know. Because every time I put my notes together, I think, no, I can do it. I can just, do, I can just read that one verse. It'll make the service faster. And then I can't help myself. Verse number 24, the Bible says, And his power shall be mighty but not by his own power. Now, some say that this guy already came, that he was part of the empires that rose and fell in those days. I, some of the scholars believe that. I, I, don't, I don't personally believe that upon my personal study of the Bible. I personally believe that these are all descriptions of the Antichrist. Study it for yourself and decide what you think. But there are correlations here. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. Who gives him power? According to the book of Revelation, he receives his power from the devil himself, right? So that seems to fit. And he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper in practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. The Antichrist is said to do that to the Christians in the last days, yes? Verse number 25, and through his what? Policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand and he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall destroy many. 
He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Do you see that? Now, who is it that will be destroyed in the last days without a single sword swung? It'll be the Antichrist and Satan. When Jesus comes, and with the sword that proceeds out of his mouth, destroys the armies. Is everybody with me? Now then, the Bible says that he will destroy by peace. He shall destroy many. Do you see that? And this is the movement of these last days. That they are going to try to get you to give up everything under the guise of peace so that they can bring the world to destruction. Look, look at verse number 27 of chapter 9. Very quickly, Daniel chapter 9, verse number 27. The Bible says, And he shall confirm the covenant, covenant with many for one week. Now that, that term one week in this passage represents seven years. Many of you that have been uh, in church any length of time probably know that. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Now what does that mean? He's going to make a covenant with Israel. We believe it is a covenant of peace, because by peace he shall destroy many, right? So we believe he's going to make a covenant with Israel. And then about three and a half years in, he's going to break that covenant, and he's going to cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be uh, poured upon the desolate. That determined that shall be poured upon the desolate, I believe, to be the wrath of God. Now, by peace he shall destroy many. Is everybody with me? And so the Bible says that when they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them. <laughs> this is how <laughs> I believe <laughs> that they... <laughs> going back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is how I believe that they will justify the destruction of Christians in the world. That these are the people that are the problem in the earth. And for the peace and safety of the world, we need to eliminate them from our population. And many will be deceived by this wickedness. Look at it again in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse number 3. <laughs> for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall, what? Not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in, what? Darkness that that day should overtake you as a, what? As a thief. You see how it doesn't overtake us as a thief. That negative connotation that is given towards the lost people being overtaken as a thief because they are not prepared for what is about to happen. And had they known that the thief would come in the middle of the night, they would have prepared. Well, they do know, but they have refused to hear. Now, ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Why are we not in darkness? Why, according to verse number 5, are we the children of light and the children of the day? Because the Scriptures shed light on these things, and we don't live in these last days without knowledge of what's going on. So while the rest of the world does not understand what's happening to the stock market and to uh, the, the, the security of their cities while they're being burnt down by the BLM protesters and Antifa, and while they don't understand why it is that elections are turning into something that seems insecure, and why they don't understand why their leaders cannot find any answers, we simply open our Bibles and we're not in the dark about it. We understand, because if you are a Christian, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of you is the Spirit of truth. He teaches us these things, and if you're a student of your Bible, you know more and more about what's going on around you. Listen, if you have any concern about what's going on these days, pick up your Bible more often and get the peace of God in your life. 
I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse number five, ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. We don't look at these things and, and see uh, only confusion and, and, and cause us to fear, but rather as a Christian, we see these things through the light of Scripture. Verse number six, therefore, so because of all of this, now we get into the behavior of a Christian. So because of all of these things, let us what? Not sleep. What does that mean? Let us not sleep means let us not be dead, spiritually speaking. It means let us not yield to sloth and sin and allow it to overcome us. It means let us not be indifferent to other people's salvation. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. The Bible says, let us what? Watch and be sober. So it gives us one thing not to do. It says, let us not sleep. Christian, you have got to make sure that you don't allow what is lulling the rest of the world to sleep to lull you to sleep. Stay awake about what is going on around you because the day of the Lord draweth nigh. Therefore, because of these things, let us not sleep. That is a command. Do you see that? So it is possible for the Christian to fall asleep. Some say, well, as Christians, we don't sleep. That's not what it says. It says, let us not sleep. It, it is a command for us to make sure that we stay awake, to not let our jobs become our life and lull us to sleep about eternity, to not let our houses and lands and possessions and cars and trucks and hobbies to lull us to sleep and, and to cause us to be indifferent to eternity, but rather as we see these last things, more and more and more urgency for the lost. You say, well, what am I supposed to do with all of the things that I see going wrong? Tell somebody about Jesus. Well, what am I supposed to do? It's so scary. You're not supposed to be afraid. You're not supposed to live in fear. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. And what is that power? The power of God in the Christian's life when you tap into it with a relationship with Him. And of love. Love for who? Love for the brethren and love for the lost. And of a sound mind. Not a mind that is tossed wildly with all of these scared thoughts, but rather a mind that is in control because we know what is ahead and we've read the back of the book and we know what's coming. Let us not sleep as do others. It's a command because it is possible and happening constantly that Christians are falling asleep on the Lord, on spiritual matters, and becoming indifferent to the salvation of others. But then he says, let us watch. What does that word watch mean? It means, number one, let us watch for Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And every day, Christian, that you live in this life and the world seems to be getting heavier on you and the cares of this world seem to be getting heavier on you, look up to the eastern sky and watch for your Savior because the day draweth nigh. Don't live under the weight of, of, of hopelessness, but rather live constantly in hope of the coming King. Let us watch for our Messiah to come. It's important for us as Christians in order to keep our spirits alive to remember that we're not going to be here for the worst of this. 
We watch for our Savior because He's going to come as the King of kings and Lord of lords and deliver us from all the wrath to come. We see these things setting up, but we don't fear these things happening because our Messiah is coming for us. The bridegroom is coming for His bride. Let us watch for Christ first and foremost. Now the Lord tells this to the people of Thessalonica, but He also told it to the Jewish people when they asked, when would these things be? And in those days He knew there would come a time when many of them would fall away and not believe in the Messiah, but He still tells them to watch. I would encourage you to constantly watch for the Savior. Let us watch for Christ, first of all. Secondly, let us watch for all of these things. To stay aware of all of these things that are happening. And to not be in the dark about them. It is important to be informed about what is going on around you so that you can be prepared for what is ahead. We don't have to prepare as if, you know, preppers preparing for Armageddon. We won't be here for all of that. But as we watch all of these things and see all of these things coming to pass, it should give us, as I said a moment ago, more urgency. Thirdly, let us watch not only for Christ, let us not only watch for these things. And by the way, watching for these things should give you confidence in the power and authority of Scriptures. How in the world can you not look at the news releases and see prophecy unfolding before your eyes? I mean, almost every day I wake up and read another headline that is affecting and impacting the world, I see more and more of the Scripture unfolding. And it gives authority and power to that book. Fulfillment of prophecy gives authority to the Scriptures. There is not a thing that has been prophesied that has not come to pass. And even more of it makes sense the deeper into this thing we get. Let us watch for these things because it sheds light even more on the prophecies of Scripture. Let us watch for Christ. Let us watch for these many things that are listed and others that Christ tells us about. And let us watch also so that we take heed lest through our own apathy we allow some destruction of sin to come upon us. The Bible says that in these last days that many shall fall away. And that that is one of them. And that will be in 2 Thessalonians. I, I keep getting ahead of myself if we get there. But you all know that and you've seen that. But these days will not come upon us except there come first a falling away. In 1 John, the Lord describes that there will be some of those that will go out from us because they were not of us. Some that will be overtaken by sin and cast out of the church in these last days. Take heed to yourselves. Watch and make sure that you are careful about your spiritual well-being. Notice the next phrase here, if you would please, in verse number 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be what? Sober. What does that word sober mean? Now, we went over this and I think it was the book of James, wasn't it? Or maybe First Peter. Let us be sober. Do you, do, are you all hearing it? When we get into these passages of the last days, God's instruction to God's people is repetitive in many cases. 
Now, sometimes there's new instruction because it was a, at that time a different need for a different people. And so different groups of people were being spoken to by God and we get to reap the benefits of seeing all of the different passages that were inspired by the Holy Spirit and benefiting from all of it. And so God again, again repeats that we should be sober. What does that mean? It means to be calm and collected in spirit. To be temperate, dispassionate, and circumspect. Now remember we spent time on that word dispassionate in James or 1 Peter or whatever it was. Does anybody remember which one it was? I know, it was only like three months ago, right? I think it was 1 Peter. I think maybe, Brother Chris, I think you're right. We spent a lot of time on that word dispassionate, but what about this? Here the word sober means, as I mentioned, to be calm and collected in spirit. Why would that be important? The world is raging against each other. And they're living in constant, unbridled fear. It's one of the reasons why there's such anger about elections today. Because they're living in fear. They've just gone through one of the most trying times the world has ever seen because of COVID. And people are not over that. And they see their finances crumbling. They see interest rates climbing. They see governments rising up against each other like China and Taiwan and Russia and Ukraine. They're hearing about dirty bombs that Ukraine is talking about using in Russia and Russia uh, claiming, I should say, that they're planning to use it and Ukraine denying that they're planning to use it. They're hearing that Russia is moving nuclear weapons to the doorstep of Ukraine and Russia is denying that they're planning to use those. The world is living in fear. And what do they need? We know they need the Savior, but can I, can, I, can I challenge you with something as a Christian? If Christians ourselves are living in fear about these same things, then what hope do we give them? Why would they want to come and become a Christian if we're afraid of the same things they are? You know, I think sometimes we lack faith that when we need grace from God, He'll give it to be able to stand in the time of need. Because you understand that what we have today is not as much of a need for answers from our government, but more of a need of peace from God that He is in control. And that in the end, whether the God of this world is putting this entire system together for the Antichrist or not, the God of heaven will win this thing. We need the kind of confidence and calm, collected comfort in our spirit that can stand at a burning stake and sing the songs of Zion. Do you know when the gospel grew the most in history? when Christians were under persecution. And do you know why that was? First of all, because of the power of God. Second of all, because when many of them were cast into prisons and thrown into coliseums and literally ripped from limb to limb by gladiators and wild animals because of their faith. And when men like Paul were being paraded in front of cities and stoned to death and being left for dead, 
And when men like Peter were being crucified upside down, we believe. And when men like John uh, uh, was, was boiled in hot oil and then exiled on the island of Patmos. And when men in the, in the, in the Reformation period were being burned at the stake and, 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 and slaughtered in front of their families just outside of their home doors. They were going to heaven with peace. And much of the lost world saw something that they didn't understand. And it affected them greater than anything else could have. What the world needs to see in us is a calmness. That everything is ultimately going to be okay and that our God will not let this stand. That He will one day avenge us if needed. And I hope that nobody in these seats ever has to face the kind of things that are going on still today in other parts of the world where Christians are being persecuted. Just last night, uh, my father was reminding me of a father-in-law was reminding me of a story of of uh, a missionary who was there at Northwest Bible Baptist Church and, and helping in the college and ministry, or, or was at least uh, last I heard, who had been in Russia for years. Uh, was it twenty years or so? Seventeen years. Built a work, a very hard work, but built a work. People had been saved. The church had been had been uh, built. And then Russia, of course, over the last couple of years has become crazy. And I don't remember the entire story, but came after the preacher in one of his services. And they, the uh, Russian police or military, whichever it was, walked in the building in the middle of the service and wanted him to go with them. And he had the boldness to stand in front of them and his people and say, uh, I'm going to finish the service. We can meet afterwards. Finished the service. They took him straight to the jail, began to interrogate him. He had to tell his wife through a text as he got a free moment to flee as fast as she could and get back to the house and contact nobody. They had to find her a way out of the country. He stayed back for six months to try to get affairs in order and make sure things were taken care of for his church and put himself in danger of arrest or in Russia, even death. And here in America, so far, we can still come to our church buildings without any threat of being thrown in prison. And we can still spread the gospel door to door. And we have become more quiet than almost any other country. What they need to see out of us is a calmness and a, a person who is collected in spirit because these things... Don't shake us. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. To be sober. What does it mean? To be calm and collected in spirit. Will you say that with me? Being sober means be calm and collected in spirit. It means to be temperate. 
circumspect. When the Lord said, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. In Philippians. I believe what he was saying is that we should be known as the people in the earth who are not alarmed, but alert. We should be the people in the earth that are under control in the face of these end times, and people should look on God's people as being different from those that are living in fear in the earth in these last days. The whole world is, is, is passionate, afraid, and alarmed because they have no hope, no peace, and no Savior. And we have all of those things. Please listen to me, Christian. We're not to take this information and be afraid. We're to take this information and know what the end story is and be calm about it and be able to show the rest of the world what Christianity really brings into their life, a peace that passes all understanding. We should be under control, unafraid, and prepared for the coming of Christ. So when can moderation be seen? Because, I mean, moderation essentially means you don't stand out. When can moderation be seen? Moderation can be seen when everybody else is losing control. That's now. The Christian shouldn't live in fear because of the knowledge of these things. I say again, we should be at peace if we are saved. Now, if you're here tonight and you're lost, you're living in fear as well. Let's finish here, if we could, please. Verse number 7, For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Speaking of the wickedness of the last days, when they will be drunk, and they will be giving in marriage, and they will be eating, and acting like everything is okay. And by the way, don't you find this interesting? I mean, all of these things are prophesied, but do you know what some of the most popular shows in America are today? They're all about food. They are. Cooking and chefs and all these different things. Businesses are springing up that will send you, you know, these gourmet meals, fresh ingredients, and you get the commercials while you're watching football games, if you do that kind of thing. Apparently I do. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. It's a fulfillment of the things that Jesus said would come in the last days. Verse number 8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of what? Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Because by faith, we see things differently than everybody else does. And we believe these things to be true. And it causes us to love the Lord more, and to love each other more if we allow it to. And for an helmet, the hope of salvation. We don't fear these things. We guard our thoughts and our mind with the hope of salvation. As the world tries to infiltrate the minds of every human being so that they can eventually put everybody in such great fear that they can take control under the guise of peace and safety, we put on the helmet of salvation to guard our mind and our thoughts from all of these things that are creating fear in everybody else. In other words, we say, I'm saved and I don't have to worry about it. And for an helmet, the hope of salvation. And what a great hope it is. And you better hang on to that hope in these last days because it's the only thing that will give you peace. Well, what am I, 
What am I going to do? What is my family going to do? Listen, if we lose all of our money and if they come seizing our properties and all of that kind of stuff comes to pass in our lifetime, and I hope it doesn't, but if it does, we're going to heaven. Who cares? It's going to be fine in the end. And if they parade our families out in, in the city streets and ask us to deny Christ and take the lives of our loved ones in front of our very eyes, we will stand there with the hope of salvation. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? <laughs> it is swallowed up, my friend. Swallowed up in the hope of salvation and in the blood of Jesus Christ. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Wear your faith and stay in love with God's people and with the Lord in these last days. And for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to what? Wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Do you see that? Oh, I was going to take you on a study through Revelation about the wrath of God. Because I think it's important for us to see what's ahead so that we have more and more urgency. But also to remember that all of these times, the tribulation period is called the wrath of God. And when God says we are not appointed to wrath, He's clearly saying we're not appointed to the judgment of God in the tribulation. And for all those people that are mid-trib and post-trib Christians that say that, that the second coming of Christ and all of that stuff, they get it all confused and, 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 and uh, melt all of those passages together. And then they say, well, we're not going to be raptured out of here until the middle of the tribulation or until the end of the tribulation. But the Bible says that the tribulation period is called the wrath of God and we're not appointed to wrath. You won't be here for the wrath of God. All right, I got it. You know it, but we got to prove it to ourselves. Um, and we'll be, we'll be done. First uh, Thessalonians chapter number 1. Look at it. In one more passage in First Thessalonians, the Lord says this. Look at verse number 10. I referenced this two weeks ago. Look at it again here in verse number 10. First Thessalonians chapter 1. The Bible says that they were told to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the what? From the wrath to come. Do you see that? Now, what is the wrath to come? All right, let's look at it. I, I want you to write these passages down as quickly as you can. We're going to read a few of them, maybe all of them. But, but, but uh, Revelation chapter number 6 and verse number 16 and 17. Let's turn there very quickly. Revelation chapter number 6 and verses number 16 and 17. While you're turning there, I'll read verse number 15. The kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains, verse number 16, and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his what? Wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? Look at Revelation chapter number 11 and verse number 18. Verse number 18 of Revelation 11. And the nations were angry. And thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroyed the earth. You see that? Revelation chapter 14, verse number 10. Revelation 14, and verse number 10. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. Look at verse number 19 of that same chapter. 
And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the what? <coughs> Wrath of God. Do you see that? <coughs> I'll give you some more. You can look these up later on. Revelation chapter 15, verses 1 and verse 7. Revelation 15, 1 and 7. Revelation chapter number 16, verses 1 and 19. Revelation 16, 1 and 19. Revelation chapter number 18 and verse number 3. Revelation 18, 3. And lastly, Revelation 19, 15. Revelation 19, 15. I'll go through those again, the ones that we did not read yet. Revelation 15, 1 and 7. Revelation 16, 1 and 19. Revelation 18, 3. And Revelation 19, 15. Everybody get that? <laughs> you'll see the wrath of God is mentioned over and over again. And what is it? The tribulation period. I don't know how you can see it any other way. And when the Bible says that we are not appointed to the wrath to come, we don't have to worry about these things. That's the tribulation period. We will not be here. So, what do we do with this knowledge? We live sober, which means we are calm and collected in spirit. We are temperate in our actions and we walk circumspectly aware of the things that are going on around us. And we keep with us the breastplate of faith and love knowing that we can trust God's Word. It takes great faith. But in that faith comes great peace because we know what's ahead. And we continue to love one another, to love God and to love those that are lost. And for in helmet, the hope of salvation. We hang on to that in these last days like nobody else can. And we live in this life and in these last days with a peace that nobody else has. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Do you see that? Aren't you glad for the promise of the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we get to escape the wrath to come? Now the rest of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is full of instruction for these last days. And most likely, if the Lord continues to lead in that direction, we will hit the rest of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please speak to our hearts this evening. Give us a constant urgency for the lost. And Lord, I pray that you would help your people to live with peace in our hearts, hanging on to the hope of salvation and hanging on to that breastplate of faith and love in these last days, having faith in your word and having faith in your coming and knowing that we can trust you and trust everything that you have prophesied. And Lord, help us to live with a love for the lost, for one another, and help us to fall in greater love with you than we ever have before. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, how many would say, Preacher, if I were to...